WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming-Sai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned in to a live broadcast of Monday Night Talk. My name is Kevin Tachi. So Monday Night Talk is heard across the um, WATD uh, radio. I believe not only are we on 95.9 uh, FM, but I believe we're also on 1460 AM, WBMS, and also 101.1, streaming worldwide. I hope you all had a fantastic holiday. We have a great show, great way to kick off 2023. And, of course, uh, we have fastened ourselves into the cockpit. Joining me as my co-host, as my co-pilot, is State Representative Kathy Linatra. Hello. How are you? Uh, make sure you fasten your seatbelt. All your serving trays are up. Yes, they are. It's going to be one heck of a flight. So, uh, how are you? I'm wonderful. And yourself? <clears throat> Just ducky. Good, good. Uh, had to get through the holidays in... in odd way was not 100% well and had to actually celebrate the holidays this weekend because because uh, you were not well I was not well well you just had a little delay I'm sure that it was still very festive and you were with your family that's what matters that's what matters that's That's what what matters matters. and so you get to not only be my co-host but you also will take a a few moments to check in with uh the 12th Plymouth District State Rep. Excellent. See how you're doing. But we are also expecting a couple of phone calls today, tonight, uh, at the start of the show, in the first hour. Um, If we play our cards right, if timing works out, uh, I've been assured that we will first, at 6.20, hear from Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito. Very exciting. She is, of course, she'll be doing the walk. It's, It's both... Charlie and Karen will do the walkers. It's just the governor. So this is my first walk, and I just got the itinerary today, and it's it's like three days. Um, I believe they walk through the state house, and then what I'm looking forward to, they walk out that front door that no one ever goes out. Right. So um, except the pardoning governor. Except the pardoning governor. So I've never seen it before. I'm looking forward to it. Wow. So we'll big talk. Big week. Big week. We will, yeah, we're going to be, uh, in, it's now, you, are you getting, what are you getting sworn in? I'm getting sworn in on Wednesday. Ooh. Yes. Is that what a lot of the festivities are going to be? Wednesday and Thursday, the new governor, the governor-elect Maura Healy, will be sworn in on Thursday, and then there is an event at the Garden on Thursday evening. 
So that will be a full day as well. So my question to you is, what should we ask outgoing Governor Charlie Baker? Because he's also on our uh, discussion list this evening as we're expecting him to call in at 640. Well, it'd be great to talk to him, wouldn't it? I mean, what a great gig he has coming up. Yeah, he's going from being the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to now he is going to uh, be the president of the NCAA. Just, that's, I think it's pretty fantastic. I that's think a, it's fantastic myself. In, in, its, in its own right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think that we have... Now, how often during your tenure have you had a chance to cross paths with the governor? I would say in the past four years, maybe a dozen times... I've been to a couple bill signings um, that he's signed the bill, which is really kind of a cool thing to do. We did one for the state dinosaur at the Museum of Science. Um, but I actually, the lieutenant governor, I've seen a lot more. She's been down in the district quite a bit. She's been to Plymouth quite a bit, so I've seen her much more. And is that more so because of her work with the, the, the compact, the community compact program? Yes, yes, yes. Very, the, very successful. In, yeah. She's done an amazing job. They both have. They've done an amazing job. So it's you know it's interesting that we have a chance to to talk with them. I did reach out to Governor Elect Healy and uh, Lieutenant Governor Elect uh, Driscoll. Uh, we have a, have it in the works for them to possibly be on the program in coming weeks. Yes, it's a busy week for everybody this week, so I'm sure they're filled with ending their positions and looking forward to their new positions. But I'm sure they'll be happy to be on Monday Night Talks with Kevin Tachi. Well, we, we've had, you know, the former Attorney General yes. on in, in that capacity, and I don't foresee it being an issue moving forward, but it also depends on what's going on. I mean, we had the governor, we had Governor Baker on right up until COVID hit. I remember that. And then things kind of got <laughs> interesting. He would do what, like daily press conferences? Daily, sometimes twice a day. Yeah. Yeah, and talk about, I mean, that's that's dedication and knowing that you have to talk about something that nobody knew. No, when, you, when you decided to run for office, did you know, hey, just want to give you a warning, there's a pandemic that's going to be... You know, Wouldn't taking, it have been nice if we all had that warning? Yeah, a little bit of a heads it up. It would have been nice to have a little heads up. I don't think anyone ever expected that, but we all lived through it, uh, most of us, and we survived and we're just moving on. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kids' soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. Then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want. That's what I'm working for. And that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older, and proper ID is required. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. 
We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. So joining us, uh, our first guest uh, this evening is uh, Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito. Joining us, Lieutenant Governor, thank you for joining us this evening. Hey, happy to be with you tonight. Have a nice uh, talk. You've been uh, so supportive to the governor and me over these years and happy to have a closeout with you tonight. Do you remember the first time that you and I crossed paths? You may not. <laughs> I know it's a little bit because a number you, of times. So one was a very, very, very first. You were you were actually running for state treasurer, if I'm treasurer. correct, mm -hmm. and you squared off against Stephen Grossman. Mm -hmm. And this was in Brockton. We had uh, in the old Brockton Enterprise Building. We were holding political forums, and the two of you had a very spirited conversation mm -hmm. about why you should each run, be be holding the office of treasurer. I, it all comes back to me now. <laughs> it wasn't the outcome I desired. It was the same year Charlie Baker was running for governor. And he did not get the outcome he desired either. And so we learned from that. So, you know, joining me also, I have a co-host this evening, and it's the state representative, Kathy Lenatra. So she may throw a question in here and there, but probably right out of the gate. What have the, the final few weeks been like for you and the governor um, here, you know, serving at the Commonwealth um, as governor and lieutenant governor? Well, first of all, Kip, thank you for having me. And to Rep. Lenatra, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure serving with you and your colleagues in the in the House and, of course, the Senate. Uh, it's been bittersweet. I think that's just the, the best word to describe it. You know, I have enjoyed my public service with the governor these past eight years so very much. He's just an incredible person to be around, a hard charger, you know, level-headed, smart, fun, and we put a great team together. So it's hard to, to leave that, you know, day-to-day, -day, you know, in-the-trench kind of work that we've been steeped in and at the same time also been able to journey across this commonwealth and really get to know the people, local officials, business leaders, and just the people who relied on us to do our work. And it was so unique. It feels bittersweet to be wrapping this up, but we have a, a lot, a body of work we're proud of and a lot of friends that we exit with that will hopefully long be in our, in our lives and into the future. Lieutenant Governor, you've just done such an amazing job, and I wanted to say a big thank you from the 12th Plymouth District, especially Plymouth. You've, I've met you several times <laughs> down there, and you've just been amazing. But you've worked with Governor Baker for eight years side by side. What are you going to miss most about him? What am I going to miss most about him? I, I think his, his discipline. Mm -hmm. you know, he's very disciplined, very much a creature of habit, and, and sort of instilling in our team you know, a consistent pattern of processing, decision-making, and, you know, vetting issues, and very collaborative in his style of of getting to, the, you know, the final decision on things. You know, so I, I will miss being right there with him, you know, in that kind of mix of things. I'll also just miss being with him when we ventured out, which we did an awful lot, mm. you know, all across our state and being in communities together. And I, I will miss, 
he he was very supportive to me in helping to say, you know, re- redefine the role of lieutenant governor, elevate it to the executive office, and define it the way, uh, you know, we as a team want, but, but embrace that. And so it allowed me to kind of redefine and and have a, a focus of work in the lieutenant governor's office as part of the executive office that mattered. Right. And I'm grateful for him uh, you know, encouraging me from the very beginning to do that. If I was to think of uh, one item that you helped define the lieutenant governor's office, and that is the, the community compact program that you spearheaded and get, you helped assist municipalities around the Commonwealth where we were able to see you and, and, and hear about some of the things that you were, the, the Commonwealth was helping communities in need with. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. This was uh, the governor's very first executive order around community development. And he asked me to spearhead, you know, what that would mean, you know, for our administration. And it's something we did campaign on in the sense of, you know, building a stronger commonwealth by building stronger communities. You know, easy to say, but then you needed a, a plan and the infrastructure and a system to deliver on that. And so we came up with this strategy around best practices because think about any organization, whether you're a nonprofit, your private sector, or your government entity, you need to have a fundamental, like foundational level of being able to perform and deliver service, if you will, a lo- local government. But I found in my travels across the Commonwealth that there was a varying degree of ability. And so I knew that we needed to level set and make sure that every community, small, large, wherever situated, had the op- had the opportunity to include like best practices around financing, budgeting, capital planning, economic development, downtown development, housing production, you know, the basic stuff that we were very excited about and I clearly embraced a lot in my work, but I wanted to see that everywhere. And so the very first executive order led to the best practices. I think there were 20 best practices that we put on the list and it's now over 50 because it's really been embraced by municipalities and informed by them and funded thank you representative over all of the budgets uh, that we processed and now over 65 million dollars deployed right into municipal government to strengthen it update it monetize it and recently the harvard kennedy school uh, wrote it up in a white paper as a, a system and a model for other states to take a look at because it, it's just so fundamental and I hope institutionalized as well for the future. And so important to the municipalities. I know that you were on the board as Selectman. Am I correct? Did you start off yes. that way? I was too. Shrewsbury, yes. I believe. Shrewsbury, yes. And I did not know that you ran for treasurer. So something I learned tonight. <laughs> we did. We. Uh, <laughs> I was on the ballot in 2010. Yes. That's quite the year. But I learned, you know, one thing I can speak to that, and the governor and I, when we finished that election cycle, we got together and said, what happened? How can we do this better? And what it basically told us is that we were traveling around, meeting with people that we knew and were comfortable with, as opposed to a true campaign of getting out to places you didn't know and meeting with people that you needed to understand better. And we did a whole lot of that in 2014. It was a very you know, satisfying experience on the campaign, but it definitely improved our ability to hit the ground running as governor and lieutenant governor 
when we turned into office in, in uh, January 2015. You know, none of us saw, and I was saying it to uh, the representative prior to your coming on, and that is just, none of us saw, foresaw a pandemic in our future, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, someone running for office or someone just going about the day-to-day, you know, uh, business. Um, not that your job isn't already have a degree of difficulty, but, I mean, how was it dealing with, with COVID as an elected official and as somebody that people look to your administration for answers and ways to get through those tough times? Yeah, let me let me just back up a little bit on that one because when we came into office uh, shortly after that beautiful, cold January day when we were inaugurated, I was, we, the governor and I remember this conversation. said, oh, look at it. It's so dry. These snow budgets are holding up, going to hold up really good. And then we got clobbered in February. And oh. it just we thought that was like going to be the hardest thing ever to hit us as a crisis. But one thing the crisis did is it gave us an opportunity to really engage with local officials. I was on the phone constantly and getting out into the communities to help get through that crisis. And it taught me early on that this is the way to do it. You know, call, what do you need? How can we help? Here's my cell phone. So I started building those relationships early on in our administration. And so then when crises hit, it wasn't like you were strangers and had to figure out how to communicate right. and trust each other. And the same thing was true for the Merrimack Valley when the gas explosions occurred in the, the fall of 2018. So when the pandemic hit, as horrible and uncertain terrible as that was, we had already baked in this relationship with local government that was pretty solid. So we immediately cranked up the, you know, the Zoom machine and got got in front of all the local officials and said, wait, what are you hearing? What do you need? Get my team together. And every week, you know, I went to my office at the state house with the governor all throughout something that was really important to do to be there in the place where government makes decisions. And we had these interactions all the way through that helped us do our job better for the communities and for the people of the Commonwealth. So I think that that piece of it is important. And I think the pandemic was just literally so grueling and challenging for everyone. And I, I would say I was so inspired by public officials, local and in state government, that were troubleshooting, problem-solving, correcting all the way through that. And also the frontline emergency medical workers, oh my goodness, what they did and their families at home was extraordinary. And we will always be grateful for the risks and sacrifices that they took. And that's all That's all we needed is was that for inspiration, to get up every day, go to work, do our job, communicate as clearly as possible the why we were making decisions, grounded in science and data, and do that over and over and over again relentlessly and try to come out the other end as, as, as best possible for the public health and the, the, the safety of the people first and foremost. And then, of course, when we got to the opening and the recovery phase, which I played uh, a big role in for the governor, uh, we we saw that play out as well. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're, we're uh, privileged to be speaking with Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito uh, joining us. Um, I guess I would ask, uh, you probably have so many, but are there? what are some of your fondest memories 
of the past <laughs> eight years serving. And, and again, I know you, there's probably so many, you don't want to leave any out, but there's got to be a few that still resonate with you to this day. Yeah, well, let me let me kind of focus it on the South the South Shore area for sure. Uh, and, and, and in that area, like, I mean, I'll never forget my ride on the water buffalo and situate uh, if anyone's listening from, from that community. <laughs> Because that was a pretty hard hit area. Oh my goodness, uh, with breaches in the wall and that man who got hit, you know, in that house that he stayed in, and oh, and then just getting on that and really surveying that damage. I'll never forget that. I gotta say, preparing for the, the Plymouth 400, you know, yes. uh, I gotta give the, you all credit for being like. In the state house, we were in an office like three minutes, and you were all up there, you know, saying we got to prepare for the Plymouth 400th. And while the pandemic put a damper on that, you used that and leveraged that event to really improve the waterfront. And uh, Plymouth is one of the fastest growing communities, as you all know. Mm-hmm. And to have see, seen that play out over these eight years has been uh, really gratifying. And the other I'd say is because Brockton is a a gateway city. Uh, I, I I'd so enjoyed working with Mayor Carpenter, now yeah. Mayor Mayor Sullivan, and you know a local official like like Mayor Carpenter would have me come down, and he would look out his city hall window and see all beautiful things, and a lot of people would look out that window and see a lot of a lot of hard, troubling things, and he was so optimistic and such a champion for that city of champions. It was so inspirational to me, and so. I think about those kinds of things. I think about big, big accomplishments like broadband and Western Mass, where those 53 communities didn't have it. Yeah, that's huge. And you think about how much the infrastructure on that end is robust in Eastern Mass. That was just like eye-popping that we, we didn't have that in place eight years ago, and I was happy to lead that and see that through. And equally, like South Coast Rail, right? Getting that area and those two gateway cities connected by rail uh, to Boston and, and people in Boston to that beautiful area of the Commonwealth is is really important. And it just says to me, you know, public service matters, um, elections matter, and making sure people are well informed and electing the right people to serve in these positions uh, in good times and in really tough times. You want people that are going to be have their heads on straight and you know really work hard and. and Try hard, hard to do the right thing. And those are the kinds of things that that stand out to me. Well, you've accomplished so much over the past eight years. And so what does the immediate future look like for you? Yeah, I know, right? So here we go. Next chapter. I've kind of always had like a 10-year itch. You know, I've had this front row. I've been able to do this job with the governor, and I've had the fullness of being there. I've had a wonderful experience in the legislature and in local government. So a full, full uh, time with public service that my husband and two children have supported me uh, with everything they've they've had to, to, to work through and sacrifice. So the next chapter is going to bring me into my family real estate and construction business and then taking my various experiences and helping other organizations, nonprofit and private, uh, as an advisor on their boards, and I'm I'm thinking there'll be some mentor role that I can play in helping people think about 
government jobs and careers, think about running for office, think about public service at the local level as a way to mentor more people into the mix. And I worry about that, and that's why I want to work on that a bit, is because politics has become polarizing, and Mm -hmm. it can turn people away from wanting to get involved, either themselves or even to vote. And so I think continuing that kind of conversation is going to be important. I think it's very important. So is it, would you never say never? Is it possible that if the right opportunity came about that? I think that, you know, anyone that's been in my shoes or Rep. Lenatra's shoes, you can't, you can't like say never because that's just kind of who we are. So you, you, I don't say never to anything. And I've been blessed to be like living my life without regrets because my family has always said, if you really have it in your heart to do this, then then we're not going to hold you back. But I, I again, I have, I've had a full amount of public service, and I'm going to pour myself into these other opportunities, and I'm looking forward to them. Well, I hope you know that, that we have an open-door policy here at Monday Night Talk, whether it's family <laughs> business, whether it's if you're doing something entrepreneurial or something on behalf of nonprofits, and you want some airtime, uh, the microphone is here, and you know you, you can call in any time to, to discuss. Well, thank you both. I wish you a healthy, happy new year. And to all the listeners, you know, thank you so much for the honor over these past eight years with Governor Baker to serve you. Thank and you. It's literally the honor of a lifetime to do it. No, we look forward to seeing you and in, in, uh, somehow playing a role in the next chapter. So I never say goodbye, just <laughs> until next time. So long for now. So long for <laughs> now. Care. Thank you. There she is, <laughs> Lieutenant you. Governor Karen Polito, our guest. We are going to... Step aside uh, and to get ready for the next chapter, the next segment. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk right here on 95.9 WATD. Stay tuned. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced cancer care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancercare. Dad, you know I'm willing to drive. Honey, we're all set here. But your eyes, you even say so yourself, don't like driving at night. Well, that's why I'm following the plow. But that's a sander, Dad. You know what they say. It pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. Oh! Too late. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you.
be a part of the show. Call in and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Our show of 2023. Uh, and so having the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth on uh, was not enough. Joining us right now is Governor Charlie Baker, who we haven't had on for a bit, but I want to say last time we had him was prior to dealing with the pandemic, and we have an opportunity to say goodbye, so to speak. Governor, welcome. <laughs> well, so, so, well, not goodbye, because that would, that would not go in step with what I said to the lieutenant governor. Never which say is, goodbye. Never say goodbye. It's just until the next time. You know, maybe we'll, we'll be talking with you about uh, something going on with the NCAA. Who knows, Governor? Yeah, we can, we can call it so long. And, uh, and it's funny, you mentioned the pandemic, because um, <clears throat> I think we did, like, live stream press conferences for like 100 days in a row and then four or five press conferences a week for about the next year and uh and and you're right there's a you know there's like a there was a rhythm to the stuff we were doing then but it completely broke the rhythm that we had had previously with respect to how we worked our you know our regular well it's up and everybody how we worked our regular calendar how we worked our media calendar how we worked pretty much everything and uh and we're still, you know, like everybody else, we're still trying to um, get back to what I would describe as something similar to what we were doing before. I still run into people that I haven't seen for, you know, three or four years, three years, basically, who were people I used to see pretty frequently before all this happened. So, yeah, it's been I, I an will, interesting time. I will say I am still waiting for my yellow giraffe with a basketball tie that you have that I spotted you at uh, at the, we were doing the uh, groundbreaking for the garage in Brockton and I said to you I said that's going to be one of the most fascinating ties is fast uh, my favorite tie um, I, I have to say is, is talk, talk to me a little bit about all the people that you've come across uh, during your time as a governor and, and what it's been like the past eight years well, I think the biggest thing I'd say is that, and I'm sure the lieutenant governor expressed this as well, is the, the familiarity that people have with you after eight years and all that time on the TV. Um, they they talk to you like you live down the street from them. I mean, there's a certain familiarity to the whole thing that is a little jarring at first, but then you kind of get used to it and then you appreciate it that, you're basically just viewed by most folks as um, as a familiar face and a you know familiar voice and and people just kind of tell you what they think about what's going on and um, what they think we should be doing what they think we shouldn't be doing and um, and for me that's been the the best part of the job is just the the chance to really get out and visit with so many people across the Commonwealth. For basically six and a half years. I mean, the, there's a year and a half of the pandemic there where, you know, we didn't get out that much. But the rest of the time, we were both all over the place. And I think that was the best part of the job. 
And just so you know, joining me uh, as my co-host this evening is a State Representative Kathy Lenatra, representing the 12th Plymouth District. So she she may pop a question in here and there. I think she actually has to. She has a question as well. I do. So I asked this of the Lieutenant <coughs> Governor too. You've worked hand in hand for eight years, side by side. What is it you're going to miss most about the Lieutenant Governor? Um, she's a relentlessly optimistic person. Um, and you know brings kind of uh, an energy to everything that she does i think um i'll certainly miss that i'll definitely miss got a great sense of humor um <laughs> and, uh, and the and i think the other thing is um just the you know the fact that she was somebody i could talk to about pretty much everything we were working on and and we developed you know a lot of relationships with a lot of the same people and so um it was fun to be able to talk about the latest um of what we had heard and what we knew about you know people in the legislature local <laughs> mayors city managers folks mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. you know there's a certain amount of day-to-day gossip that goes on with the people you work with that um you know, I probably won't be doing, and, and neither will she. And and we'll, I'm sure we'll both miss that. I mean, I'll miss I'm miss seeing her on a really regular basis, and just you know, being part of that whirling dervish circle that she has. What the, what what have the the final few weeks been like for you as things wind down? This term winds down. Is it is it a matter of just getting? Uh, Governor-elect Healy and her team ready to to take over. Um, What has it been like for you? Well, we've had a bunch of things that we're still, you know, working our way through the process on. It's not, we're not, both of us, we were going to continue to do stuff right until the end. So, you know, we've still been putting up residential programming for people dealing with addiction, additional beds for that. We've still been... Um, sort of building out the community behavioral health network that we talked about building out about a year ago. We're still um, breaking ground on and uh, cutting ribbons on transportation projects and uh, road repairs and um, housing sites. And, you know, we finally finished the final piece of the broadband project in Western Mass um, for those 53 communities that didn't have broadband. I mean, there's just a lot of things that we're sort of putting the finishing touches on as we kind of head out the door here. And um, and that's kind of as it should be, I think. I mean, we've still got all kinds of programs and projects that are... Um, a lot of people said to us, it'd be really nice if you get our thing done or our thing funded or our <laughs> thing started before you leave. Because, you know, once the administration changes, you know, there's a lot of momentum that gets lost at that point. And, you know, people are like, what is that? Did we prove that? How did that work? So I think we've been just trying to make sure that we get as many of those things and as far along in the process as we can so that the momentum, um, which there will certainly be a you know a bit of a change in momentum with the changing of the guard, um, doesn't, doesn't get in the way of stuff that really should be moving forward. This week you're going to be... You're going to be uh, following a tradition that all Massachusetts, outgoing, out, uh, outgoing mm-hmm. Massachusetts governors partake in. It's that walk out the front door of the state house. What are your thoughts on on the ceremony? And um, what are you going to re- what do you remember most about your time uh, as the, the the governor of Massachusetts? Well, I'm going to. I mean, the lieutenant governor and I are going to do that walk together. I know they call it a lone walk, but I think gonna. we're going to we're going to we're going to 
sort of rewrite that tradition a little bit and, and do it together. Um, but I think for both of us, you know, it'll be pretty emotional, and, and uh, um, a lot of our friends and family will be there. A lot of the people we've worked with will be there, and it's kind of a chance for all of us to share in the, you know, in the in the successes of the eight years and the and the memories and and you know we only I don't know if the lieutenant governor told you guys it we only opened the front gates to the state house for very few things you know we opened it mm. to welcome the new governor to um for, we open it for the you know the existing governor to leave and and then it's heads of state and that's it so. To some extent, it's a really big deal, and you know it's part of a of a tradition that's been going on here for almost three hundred years. And you know, when we walk out, we know full well that you know the next day, Governor Elect Healy and Governor Elect uh, Lieutenant Governor Elect Driscoll are going to be walking in, and our show's over, and theirs begins. And you know, that's as it should be. I think the with respect to your second question, um, I really, I really do think it's the it's the it's the the constant back and forth, especially with our colleagues in state and local government that for both of us, I think is going to be, you know, just not being in on the action on all that stuff is probably going to be the thing we'll miss most. Um, I think the, you know, the, I, I gotta say that I, I, I'm kind of glad that the pandemic is behind us. That was, um, sort of all encompassing for a long period of time. And I'm sure it was for the representative as well. Do, do people realize what you and your administration endured and, and what it must have been like to, as as this first started to take shape, whether it was late 2019 or early 2020, and having to make decisions that w- would drastically change our lives from the normal to where, you know, folks were advised not to leave home, uh, wearing masks to, you know, uh, having that, you know, have... A number of, of institutions limit the number of folks that they could have so we wouldn't see a spread. Do people realize how tough it was on yourself and the lieutenant governor and your administration to, to try to endure this day in and day out and try to have the latest information to put out? Because I watched every one of your, your daily press conferences and then they were thorough and, and, and there was a lot of thought put into them as you got it. Do re- people realize that? I think so. I mean, I, you know, both the lieutenant governor and I hear from people all the time that they appreciated the fact that we, you know, were out there pretty much every day. It was like appointment TV, 12 noon. I did have some people complain about the fact that I was interrupting the prices right. Um, <laughs> that's no joke. Um, but I think the, um, I think the fact that, you know, some days we took questions for like 90 minutes. So, I mean, we gave, we gave the media um, every opportunity we could to engage us on this stuff. And I, I have heard that people appreciated the, the amount of information and the fact that it was constant and we were constantly out there trying to help people uh, make, make the right decisions. I will say this, you know, the Commonwealth Fund, which is a pretty well-respected healthcare research organization, did a study on all 50 states and the way they handled and managed COVID. And they had about 50 or 60 metrics they used for measuring it. And we finished a very close second to Hawaii um, and pretty far ahead of pretty much everybody else. And I, you know, I said to our our team, I said, guys, you know, this is, this is really great. And they said, yeah, we finished second. I said, I know, but Hawaii's an island. 
and we're not. And they also have warm weather 10 months of the year. We don't. And, uh, you know, if you think about it through that kind of a lens, in terms of, like, the Continental 48, um, we were number one. You were number so, one. We were number one, yes. Um, I, and I, you know, and I give, I, give, I give the legislature, I give local officials, I give all the health care workers, all the essential workers, and, and the people generally of the Commonwealth a ton of credit for that. People, I mean, I saw the very best of the people in Massachusetts during that period of time, and I know there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension and, 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 and tragedy, not just here in the Commonwealth, but all over the world and around the country, and... And people, I'm sure you saw this representative as well, people really went out of their way to try to be helpful to one another. And I, there's millions of examples of that just all over the place. And I think that was, uh, you know, when people were tested, they they delivered. I agree. I agree. I think it brought out, it got you to actually see who people really were. And it brought out the best in people. Mm. And they did come out to help others. Like reminiscent of 9-11. Exactly. Somewhat Kevin, reminiscent. Exa- exactly. Like somewhat, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it it really, people were thinking about each other. And um, I think it was at a time that people really needed to start thinking about each other. But I just want to give you my gratitude for being there every day at noon on the television. My whole family would sit and wait. Um, and then we had our calls, the legislature had our calls uh, weekly with Secretary Sutters and yourself. And and I don't think that I would have been able to represent the 12th Plymouth District if it wasn't for your administration and always being there for to answer our questions because there were many questions and you were so receptive of our calls and answering our questions. So I owe you a debt of gratitude for getting us through that pandemic. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I would, I would, I would send that right back at you because there was a lot of stuff we did that you guys um, helped us build the programming around and paid for. Okay, um, that wouldn't have happened without um, the collaboration and cooperation. Legislature. And the other thing I do have to say, and I hope people understand this, is you all may not have been in the building during the early days, but your phones were ringing off the hook, and you had thousands of questions you had to answer for people about where to go, where to get stuff, how to, you know, and I know that just never ended, and it was uh, for as much as our phones were ringing, I know yours were ringing every bit as much, and that's a, that's a lot of work. Because people are, you know, they're on you. They really want to know. They want to know. How they can be helped. And yep. they were frightened. Right. People were frightened. Yep. Totally. Yep. If you're just tuning in, we got a couple of more moments with uh, with Governor Charlie Baker, who is our, our guest. Um, probably one of the final questions we, we will ask you, and that is <laughs> at least in this role, right? At, at least <laughs> in, at least in, in this role is is that um, talk about the the next chapter. Uh, I kind of alluded to it. Uh, I teased it at the the top. Uh, what now? What what is uh what what is ahead for Charlie Baker? Well, um, first thing, it's going to be um, some downtime. Um, little, uh, little grandpa time? Family. That starts in February. We're pretty excited about <gasps> that. Congratulations. Um, thank you. That um, is our exciting. Oldest and, our oldest son and his uh, wife, our daughter-in-law, are having a baby in February, which we're super excited about. And, um, and then, you know, sometime around the beginning of March, I'll start. Um, with the NCAA, and, and I, I view that as a great opportunity to do something that um, I've always, I mean, 
my wife was a college athlete. I was a college athlete. My brother was. Her brother was. Or two of our kids were. I mean, this is this is something that's important to us, and they have a lot of big challenges, and I'm hoping I'll be able to help them work through some of them. Would you never say never to an opportunity if uh, there was a, a seat for higher office? I would never say never, Kevin. That's exactly the right answer. I would never say never. You never know, right? I mean, I just look back on my own past 20 years or so. If you told me I was going to be on the kind of ride I was on, I wouldn't have believed that either. So, I mean, stuff happens, right? Yep. Indeed. Well, we want to wish you all the best. We want to thank you for your service uh, to the Commonwealth for the past eight years, and we definitely will look forward to, again, if you have anything that you're working on, if you need airtime, uh, whether it's uh, entrepreneurial, nonprofit, uh, our phone lines, our microphones are open for you to come on in and be a guest or even a co-host on Monday Night Talk. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You got that. So. We, we thank you, and uh, and best of luck uh, for, with the rest of this week as things happen. It'll be a busy awesome, week, an exciting week. Thank yep. you, Governor. Take care. Bye-bye. There he is, Governor Charlie Baker, uh, our, uh, our guest, to close out the first hour. And uh, when we come back, one Monday night talk. Don't go anywhere. Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host Kevin Tachi on 959WATD. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzola and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzola. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. You like my new car? I like that new car smell. What is that infernal binging? Oh, it's part of the driver assist. Standard equipment nowadays. Assist? Yeah, watch. Hey, cut that out. You're, you're way too close. Yeah, it's, it's telling me that. See the text? Watch out. What was that? You were driving too close. That truck snapped back a rock. And now I have a cracked windshield? You know... Your mother was a way better driver assist. Please, kindly check your windshield. I'm Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons Glass. We replace your windshield and insurance pays. 1-888-64-TINIES. Just call. And thank you. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome back to Monday Night Talks. I'm your co-host, Kathy Lenatra. I'm Kevin Tachi. And uh, that was a great first hour. It's been great. It flew. 
Not to say that the second hour isn't going to. Uh, we'll kick things off, getting a little bit of an update from you. But also in studio already, uh, we're doing a little bit of a, a Council on Aging update. Um, we do these every now and then. I want to say quarterly, usually spearheaded by Tammy Murray, who is the Director of Community Services in Hanover. Yes, formerly of Kingston. Formerly of, <laughs> yes. And we grew up together in Hanover. Yes, we did. Yes. Thanks for having me again. This is like it's a great. reunion. It's it a is. reunion. It's Carry like a reunion on. Yes, you guys. And, and not to be left out is Darlene Regan. Is it Regan or Regan? Regan. Regan. And she is the director in Halifax. Halifax. Formerly worked in Kingston as well. Yep. <laughs> it's like a connection. Well, it and is. Halifax is my district. It's like a connection. It's a core thing. Um, so, ladies, feel free as we'll, we'll a little bit of a, uh, you have questions of the representative. We're going to chat with her for a couple of moments anyways. Uh, how were your holidays? My holidays were fine. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we celebrated with family on Christmas Day. I was trying to stay awake till midnight on New Year's Eve. It did yeah, not. It no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I conked out at like 10. I was about 10 myself. Done. Petered out. I know, Done. I know. Times have changed. Just doesn't they? have the zest of when you're like 18, 19 years old. And it's the, God, even the rebellion of, I'm going to stay until 3. It's like, yeah. yeah. No. Mind over matter. Yes. And it's good night's <laughs> sleep is where it's at. Yeah. You know, start off the new year with a good night's sleep. Yes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I'll throw the question out to everybody here. Um, anybody here who do resolutions or just goal-oriented? Tammy? Goal-oriented. I gave up resolutions a long time ago because I don't really seem to stick to them. But um, my goal for the year is in August to become an LI instead of an LCSW. So. It's a great goal. For the boys and girls at home. Oh, sorry. It's a licensed independent social worker. Excellent. Okay. You, goal-oriented? Goals. I've set a goal for each month of the year. Yes. Each month of the year, I have a separate goal. Nice. Yes. Do you want to tease us with what January's is? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's filed and done yet. Darlene? Uh, yes. Um, well, I'm hoping that we uh, look forward to building a center for the town of Halifax. Really? Yes. Yes. That's uh, on the, is that on the radar? It's on the radar. We're trying to uh, work through that, uh, the, the variations of it, the funding and so on. So that's a really key thing for small towns, com you know, small community. Um, but we are grateful for the state representatives, Kathy Lenanter, as well as uh, Josh, um, and also uh, Senator Brady as well. You know, the connections and the it's very key that we have those connections with, um, you know, the state and in terms of the grants that are available available out there. So we um our seniors own it. Yeah. You know, they they deserve it. They do deserve and, it. Now how about um, how about how about a personal goal or resolution? A personal goal, huh? A resolution, yep. Uh not to work as much. <laughs> 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 and to enjoy life, but that's okay. It's all good. This is my life. And uh it's a good thing. I will t attest that she does work a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll get emails eleven thirty at night. <laughs> Six o'clock in the morning. The She's way. always working. Um, what would you say the highs and lows for 2022 were for you, Representative? Oh, well, obviously low. I, I, many know that I lost my father in July suddenly. Um, so that was a, something really unexpected and really changes your life and the way that you look at things and the way you look at your family. So I'd say that was one of the lows. The highs... So we got some great things, you know, passed this year. We have the mental health initiative. Um, 
infrastructure, you know, just even like we were able to get funding for the Halifax COA, which is huge. They do deserve it. The seniors there are very active um, and they've been waiting a long time. So I guess my work has been my highs this year. Okay. Uh, what would you say accomplishments? What would you feel are some were some of the noteworthy accomplishments, whether they're personal or what you did on behalf of the district? Was anything that, that kind of sticks out? One thing that really sticks out, and it's going to sound silly, but it was the van for Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, they really, it just, it really helped cut down so many things for them, um, working with um, the Plymouth Area Coalition. I mean, I'm very close to Sue Giovanetti. My whole staff volunteers there in the food pantry. That's been huge. Getting my children to learn and appreciate what volunteering is, that it's really a gift to yourself, not what you're doing. And I think that that was instilled in them this year. They actually are old enough that they clicked and they really enjoy volunteering. And I think that's important. How about you ladies? Tammy? I forget the question. <laughs> <laughs> highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Either highs oh, and lows or, or, or greatest accomplishment. Um, highs and lows. Lows would be the same. Lost some really uh, people that were influential in my life. Taught me a lot about perseverance and resilience. Um, highs are the mental health program that we started at the Council on Aging for Veterans. And my beautiful granddaughter. Oh my gosh, she Just is beautiful Spending too. time with her is awesome. Yeah, um, myself and the missus, we have uh, a a granddaughter who now, it's great because you can like, it's like renting a child. It sounds (laughs) sounds interesting here, but it's like she can stay overnight and then the next day it's like, oh, here. Yeah, mine lives with me, but it's good. (laughs) Just to to see the next generation, they're adorable. It's amazing. Watching them learn and when, you know, when when they light up, sometimes when they're cranky, you know. It's all good. It's all good. It's it's all good. Um, Success as far as legislation. Oh, definitely mental health initiative. I mean, we've really, as we know, and we've said it several times, Kevin, while we've been on the show, that we knew it was broken before the pandemic. Mm. And after the pandemic, it just really exasperated everything, and uh, especially for our younger people. And as I've spoke with... um, Darlene, you know, our older folks too, isolation is a big thing. So that initiative really puts some funding into where it's needed. Um, it helps. We have the 988 number. If those that don't know, yep. instead of 911 for a medical emergency, we have 988 now, which is for a mental health emergency. Um, just to get rid of the stigma that mental health is just as important, if not more important, than your physical health. As we see, if you watch the news, the things that have been happening worldwide, countrywide, even in the Commonwealth um, I think it's vitally important that we put funding in not only for the services, for the beds, but we really need clinicians. So I'm so impressed with you, Tim, which I've always been (laughs) impressed with you. Um, You know, really recruiting people into the licensed mental health counselors. We really need more of them. We have a shortage of psychiatrists. Um, Dealing with adolescents is very important. So that has been my top priority since I've been elected. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be elected. Uh, And I got into this so-called business. Um, so that was really important to me this year, last year. We're in this year now. And and talk to us about uh, being sworn in again this week. I will you be, be sworn. It's exciting. It's a big week. So big week. My husband is being promoted and he'll be sworn in on Tuesday night. I will be sworn in on Wednesday afternoon. And then I will be at the governor-elect swearing in on Thursday. So it's a busy week for the Lenatras. <laughs> wow. And now your your husband is being elevated to? Sergeant. Very 
Yes, he's excited. Super cool. And now, are you gonna are you gonna look to have any change in your committee assignments, or will you? Those so we will same? be elected to new committees. Um, I currently serve well, currently until the fourth, I guess, as a vice chair of export development. I'm on ways and means and um, fiscal. So many. I'm trying to think of the other ones, but so we will have February around February. We'll start to be assigned our new committees, and we'll meet with the speaker and. Kind of do we see a change in speaker? Do we, or is that uh, up for debate? Do you think the is it Mariano? It's right Ron now? Mariano is the speaker, um, yeah. the representative from Quincy. Um, I do not see a change, but you know, I'm not always in the know, Kevin. <laughs> you think I am, but I'm not always in the know. But if you ask my personal opinion, I think this Ron Mariano will consider will continue to be the speaker. Okay. Uh, and if constituents uh, have any concerns or questions, how can they reach you? They can reach me uh, at my office, which the telephone number is online. If you just Google my name, you'll find it, or Kathleen.Lanatra at mahouse.gov. I also have a chief of staff, Christopher Jean, and he can be reached at the office. And his email is Christopher.Jean at mahouse.gov. And then I also have Stephanie Landry, who is amazing at constituent services. She's been with the State House for over 30 years, and she knows where the bones are buried. She knows everything. So awesome. she is just, I, I'm so grateful and so fortunate to have her. And that is stephanie.landry at mahouse.gov. I actually had somebody suggest to me that we do a segment with AIDS. Oh, that would be fascinating. And and have them discuss what it's like, to, you know, the day-to-day operations. You'd have to disguise their voices, though. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and give them different names for them to be open about it, don't you think? No? no we, we, we are not. Not mine, of course. No, I'm just no. saying, not mine, of course. <laughs> but, but others. Maybe get some that, like, from retired representatives back in the day. Oh. Stephanie has some stories. Really? She has some I stories. I like stories. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, uh, the moment with uh, our representative, Kathy Lanatra, and we're going to uh, segue to talk a little bit about Council, council on Aging. Um, I like doing these segments on a regular basis. I like to have the one hour, the 45-minute conversations about some of the important things in our communities. A couple of weeks ago, we had some fire chiefs on, and we talked about fire safety. It was a fantastic conversation. I like that. That's what this program is for, is to, to have a good conversation about what's going on. And, and so to better inform people, because not people aren't always in the know, regardless of, of what it is. We, of course, welcome your first-timer, Darlene, to get a chance to, to be a part of the conversation. Um, we'll start with with you. What's Briefly, what's new in, in Halifax? What's going on with the, the Halifax Council on Aging? Well, as I mentioned, we are looking forward to, um, you know, projecting where we got to go with our new building. Um, right now, we're developing programs, getting the core group in, in place, the staffing, and going forward, we do have a new uh, uh, selectman um, uh, and also town administrator. So we're looking forward to having them all on board to oh, that's right. make some. Yeah, you guys so just had a special. We election. are so blessed, and um, at this point, it's it's a lot of new things that are going to be happening for us. Um, the connections, you know, with uh, the new town administrator, uh, Cody Haddad. So we're looking forward to having him uh, on board too. You know, he has a lot of. Um, background in the grant funding uh, sector so that's going to really bring a lot of uh, good you know 
um, prospects for, for the town of Halifax. But the seniors today, I think the most important thing with the COAs is that we've become the front line to the community in all sorts of things and the resources that are available out there. So one major thing that we tend to forget is the healthcare systems. And that's where my background is truly is, is in, is in the healthcare sector. So that drives a lot of these programs that are offered under the umbrella of the Executive Office of Elder Affairs. So um, we do have also the, sub, you know, the um, aspect of the connector versus, you know, Medicare and all that. Mm-hmm. So, and also uh, the wraparounds to a lot of the programs that are the um, the uh, healthcare systems that are not available to a lot of um, uh, seniors out there yet. So we want to make sure that we are diverse enough to understand what's available to them and kind of lead them. You know, we can all be, um, we have to be uh, case managers as well. And so with that, we have a lot after the pandemic, and we don't want to keep talking about the pandemic, but it, it happened. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, it brought out a lot of in- inequities in our systems. So going forward, you know, making the connections, having the key group out there, the connections with the state representatives and other COA directors, Tammy and her background, you know, having those connections are so important right now. Because going forward, we are going to have to realize that there's a lot of different um, elements out there. And besides mental health issues, uh, a lot of people cannot afford the utilities today. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's new in Hanover? Now, again, you you don't just wear the hat of someone who is the um, Council on Aging director, but mm-hmm. you have other departments that are under you. So you're... You're quite busy, yes. but you know one of your primary goals is to you know what's going on with the senior population. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of a unique situation where we're able to cross age groups and demographics and the whole thing in town. So we have a lot of people coming in for assistance, like Darlene had mentioned. Um, we're focusing a lot on mental health right now and other health needs, you know, um, chronic illnesses and things like that. So we've set up a lot of support groups, um, and we're huge focus this year is on dementia um, as with other towns uh, such as Norwell which we'll talk about Is Hannah we're going to start a dementia uh, program? Or so do we already I, have one? I am an instructor for Dementia Friends mm-hmm. I've done it in Norwell, I've gone to Halifax and done it there. Since then Sue has gotten on the board with it and she's doing her own stuff in Norwell but um, I'm looking to become dementia friendly um, and to get more information out to the residents and the people that work for the town, business owners, things like that. It's slow going because we've been short-staffed a lot of the year. Yeah. So we're putting that all together. So this year, it's going to be our main focus. I really think all the pieces are in place. It's just a matter of somebody collecting it in one page. It's it's so important. And it's happening younger and younger, mm-hmm. which yep. is um, does, quite yeah. frightening. Quite yeah. frightening. And it was great that you did come in to uh, talk to our group, and they asked for you to come back to talk. They mm-hmm. they want that program back again. So we're looking for it. Too bad all communities couldn't offer it. Yeah. You know. So hopefully, maybe that will be the uh, go-to for the uh, 2023 era. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What does dementia friendly entail? What is that? What does a program like that entail? So Dementia Friends and Dementia Friendly sound the same, but they're a bit different. Okay. Um, Dementia Friendly is like universal construction, aging in place, things like that. Um, Having people know, you know, what to look for in their customers, et cetera. Um, 
color coordinating a rug so somebody doesn't think they're going to fall through it. The Dementia Friends program is actually a program that teaches empathy for people that are actually struggling with or living with dementia now, their families, their friends. It's really been a awesome class to teach. It's about an hour, but from, from that we now have um, a caregiver support group at the COA because we found so many people were either taking care of somebody or had a friend who had dementia. Um, so it's really been a positive. The, the structure of the program is amazing. Have any strides been made in trying to curtail the symptoms or the onset of dementia, or is this still something that's in the works? I've heard a bit. I haven't really followed it too much on different medications that they're coming out with that prolong the symptoms, but as far as a cure, quote-unquote, no. No, but you always hear, you know, keeping your mind busy. Mm -hmm. So I, I yep. do this little thing every day, elevate on my computer. Yeah. It's on my computer on my phone, but little things to keep my mind busy. Um, I just watched that movie, Still Alice. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. And, you know, she was younger than me mm -hmm. yep. okay. when she started. So it is getting younger and younger. Um, but I do feel bad for the caregivers. I know several caregivers, and it's very frustrating and empathy is huge, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you can't muster up that empathy after you're exhausted and you're afraid that they're going to leave the home and you're not sleeping. And um, I think it's important that we have resources for the caregivers. Yep, mm. it really is. Mm -hmm. I know um, a couple that I've worked with where it's very hard for the spouse to understand where their spouse's new level of normal is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really the biggest challenge in the program. But I've gotten great responses from this program. Um, in fact, just the other day, one of the residents came in and her friend lived in Florida who was living with dementia. And they went down there and they remembered some of the tips, like they're still a person, they're still who they are, just meet them where they are. So she actually went out and got games that he was able to play. Um, and they sat down and played different games with him. And, you know, if he didn't follow the rules, that was okay. And they had a great visit. And unfortunately, he did pass shortly thereafter. But oh. she, I cried the other day. She came up to me and was so grateful for the information that she learned from the program. Important information. Stephanie, was there something you wanted to add to this? Well, I just wanted to add that advocacy is the most important thing. So if we have a caregiver that's an advocate for that resident, you know, for the person with, uh, you know, going through all these changes in their body, I think that's most important to manage, um, you know, the medications that are being administered to today. And that's really important. Um, our health and diet, hopefully over time, will you know, we'll control some of that. We don't know. But, um, you know, I think mostly the simple fact of advocacy is most important. And like you said, the caregiver, you know, that's that's a really respite care is totally needed right now. Mm -hmm. And where to send person at the state level is, it, it, the state level is is, is having a, t a difficult time to, to keep up with all the demands right now. But um, that means that we have to think outside the box now. We have to really, and you know, being a part of the COA, we do that every day, trying to think out what we see the front line, uh, we are the front line, and we see the people firsthand, so, and the issues that are within the community, and every community is different, and everybody is different, their bodies are different, and the way they, families react to these types of situations is, is going to be different. So how we administer and how we provide the resources is, is really key out there. And you really have to have that strong background and knowledge of where you can send a person 
to get the proper resource, you know, the proper direction for the family. Again, if you're just uh, tuning in, uh, we're talking about, we're doing our, our regular uh, Council on Aging segment, uh, talking about some of the things that are going on, uh, and we are privileged to have uh, Tammy Murray, who is uh, in Hanover. Uh, she is the Director of Community Services, and we have Darlene Regan. She is with the Halifax Council on Aging, and of course, my co-host, uh, State Representative Kathy Lenatra, who is here. Uh, and chatting with us. Why don't we do this, uh, Larry? Let's take a quick a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, uh, we can finish up strong here on Monday Night Talk. Talk more council on aging, and we can delve into some of our other topics as well. Stay tuned. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk right here on ninety five nine WATD. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kids' soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. Then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want. That's what I'm working for. And that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older and proper ID is required. Dad, you know I'm willing to drive. Honey, we're all set here. But your eyes, you even say so yourself, don't like driving at night. Well, that's why I'm following the plow. But that's a sander, Dad. You know what they say. It pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. Oh. Too late. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Don't just listen, say something. Call 781-837-4900. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome back, everybody, to Monday Night Talks. I'm Kathy Lenatra here with Kevin Tachi and Darlene Regan from the Halifax COA. She is the director and with Tammy Murray. And Tammy, do you have something you wanted to discuss before we moved on to the next topic? Yeah, I just wanted to add this. Um, Susan Curtin couldn't be here tonight. She is the director in Norwell. And as part of their dementia plan, they were able to secure a grant from South Shore Elder Services to hire a part-time dementia Mm. coordinator. Excellent. Which is going to be an awesome position, so they're going to be looking to hire people soon. And she just also wanted me to mention if anybody's struggling or knows somebody that is um, in Norwell with dementia to give their Council on Aging a call. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. Now, do they have like a day program? They don't. to Duxbury, no? No, they don't. They're very small. Their building's very small as well. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what this person will be doing, but it's going to be awesome that that's what they're committed to. That's great. That's that's a good use of funding mm-hmm. right there. Absolutely. That's a great use of funding. Where do you want to, what direction do you ladies want to go in next? Do we want to do uh, COAs and protective services? 
Or do we want to talk a little bit about the growth of the senior population? The growth of the senior population might be a good place to start, Darlene, if you agree. (laughs) I do. And I bring this up. um, In 2020, the census was done. Of course, those numbers haven't Mm. been completely compiled yet. So what the state did was they looked at um, figures that were calculated through UMass um, years ago. And we got funding based on those, which for every town just about was an increase. However, the numbers that they sent out are probably about 2,000 less than what Hanover actually has at this point in time. So next year, the numbers will be adjusted. But I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, you can look at this number and say, oh, 3,200 seniors, but it's really maybe Mm -hmm. 5,200 seniors. Mm -hmm. And um, until those numbers are compiled, it's really hard to sell a lot of what we're trying to do for our seniors and to get more funding for them. Mm -hmm. So we rely on the census, you know, based on, you know, what's sent out there. And if they're not completed, of course, then the funding's not there. So they were on the 2010 census for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And to to try to operate on a small budget like that, you know, that's pretty, it's it's tough to do. So, but going forward, we just had that adjustment to 2020, but we're still behind. You know, the, still the numbers aren't real. So, liars' figures, figures lie. <laughs> you know, so unfortunately, you know, we're just in a situation where we rely on that fund, that state funding. Right. And what was nice, they got rid of the, um, or they no longer use the, after the 2020, was the Green Book for mm-hmm. the Executive Office of Elder Affairs, where we had to adhere to certain things. They said, you know what? You have to run your center. So this is what, you know, it's open, you know, the funding's there. Do it the best, you know, the best job possible to to get the programs out there, the wellness programs, all the different um, aspects that we need for our, for our centers, um, to run the center efficiently, um, and to serve the community, uh, not just the senior population, but their caregivers, the families that are out there that's struggling with, you know, I call it the Oreo generation or, you know, that they're trying to take care of their families as well as, you know, adults parents, yes. or, or people with a disability, mm-hmm. you know, so we do have a diverse background. All COAs are not created equally. Um, unfortunately, um, some of us, you know, are changing over some time. They're melding with, you know, uh, active living centers and growing to expand to, you know, uh, committed to uh, the resource centers and so on, but they're expanding to realize that we're all one entity. So under the Executive Office of Elder Affairs, we have the Aging Service Access Points, we have the Independent Living Centers, and we have the COAs. So with those three groups, we fund, you know, we work together to build a strong core to to get it out to the community, all the different things that are available out there. And there's a lot, and we're thankful here in Massachusetts that we have the availability the Executive Office of Valid Affairs has done a great job to provide the services, and it's our job out right now to get out there and and to connect people and make sure that there's a lot of advocacy out there. So, yep. and, oh, sorry, no, I should I just, mention the formula grant. Uh, we yes. get twelve dollars per well, senior yes. listed on the census, and that was a mm-hmm. good thing because initially it was going to drop. Was nine. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were thinking they wanted to maybe before Governor Baker left office, they wanted to make sure that it did. Well, he did sign that it would be twelve dollars continuing. Like an executive order. Yes, 
Yes. So, so when we talk about the census and we talk about seniors, let's, so, you know, there's so many different, is it 65? Is that a definitive six, age? When 60. We think? Yeah. 60. Okay, yeah, so we we're, really. and some places are changing it to 55, but as far as the census, it's 60 and older. I know, right? Uh, but I did need to, you know, if it was 60 or older, because you know that I'm mm-hmm. at the center in yes. Kingston quite a bit, and in your center as well. And you'll have, I'll meet people and I'll say, oh, have you checked out the Kingston Senior Center? Oh, gosh, they're all old there. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're, you know, it's not it's like that stigmatism. way. It's it is. A, it is it a is. stigma it's because like, they're very vibrant and there's mm-hmm. some amazing programs in all of the senior centers in the 12 Plymouth, if I can say that. And they're for all ages. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're for all and ages. I think you remember I tricked my mom into attending the senior center by getting her to volunteer. So yeah. I had her come in, and she, I don't know if she's listening, um, <laughs> but I had her come in and teach a knitting class, mm-hmm. and now she cooks you in the suggested, kitchen, she you does suggested all these yeah, things. Yeah. Strong suggestion. Strongly <laughs> suggested. It's such a huge part of her life It now, is a even huge part of her life. She has us she's and wrong. all her grandchildren yeah. are very close to her, yeah. some live in the house, you know, but it's still something that's very near and dear to her heart. And, you know, she loves to volunteer. And she I think really that does. comes with education. You know, we have to say that, you know, we're all aging. You know, at the age of 10, yeah. we're going to age. You know what I mean? So yeah. we just never want to admit it. But we are all aging, and, and it's okay. So maybe we got to teach it, like, it's okay to age. <laughs> but it's it's kind of a human quirk. There's certain things, and we'll probably we'll get to it, but um, whether it's, oh, no, no, that's not for me, and it, it's because somebody doesn't want to. They think it's there's some kind of a, a shame to going to a senior mm-hmm. center or a shame to accepting fuel assistance mm-hmm. or, you know what, SNAP benefits is a shame to it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's me admitting that I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not financially well off and mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do that. And Betty finds out and tells, you know, Sandra and, you know, it gets around. I don't. Yeah. I think that's generational as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. You absolutely. know, I really do think it's generational, but there's. You know, you need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us, not just our older people, but people need to learn. But I think to it's ask a sense of pride. I think we all. I think I don't know if it's a yeah. a cultural thing. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just something mm-hmm. that some of us. You know, some people will take more than they, they should get. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. if there's if there's six loaves of bread, they're going to yeah. clear out five or six of them. <laughs> yes. go, wait, wait. Well, I always feel as though as everyone has needs, and if they choose to take six or twelve oh. loaves of bread, and they should have taken six, you know what? It is what it is, and I just say, you know, God bless them. Okay. Sure, <laughs> sure I'm okay and, with that as well. You know, but I'm but also of the mind of. Think. I know, but I'm of the mind is, is let's yes. let's share and make sure there's enough for yep. everybody, and not you know six at someone's house where probably half of it's going to get moldy and be thrown out. Well, I always say Big Brother's watching. True. It's very true. <laughs> Definitely very true. You right? do have a good point, though, about asking for assistance, and Ooh. I think one of the big things that people don't always understand, and actually one of the positive things from COVID is they raised income levels to mm. apply for SNAP benefits or mm-hmm. to apply for fuel assistance. But fuel assistance, when you are approved, also gives you a discount on your electric bill. Yep. And that's a huge topic right now. So totally. whoever's yeah. listening, call your COAs yep. um, and get some help with, or Social Shore Community Action, whichever yes, you choose. That's awesome. And um, you can apply for fuel assistance until April. Now, is the fuel, how, how do they give out the fuel assistance knowing that we have seen a, a, um, a dramatic spike uh, in the cost of fuel and electricity. Um, again, that was part of our conversation with the, the fire chiefs and mm-hmm. folks finding alternative ways that aren't safe to heat their homes. Um, mm-hmm. Will the benefits be able to cover whatever whatever their need is or, or because of 
the increase that maybe it'll only be a partial coverage. Mm. Do you know, Darlene? Yeah, so when we sit down with an individual or resident, we make sure that we all, I also screen for other things. So Mm -hmm. for instance, if I do see that they have a need for Medicare savings, perhaps maybe they should apply for that, or maybe they need to be in another um, type of a a Medicare plan. Um, For instance, there's a lot of Medicare is not for all, Sorry to say, um, because it's it's expensive yep. to manage to, if you don't have a wraparound. So we, I look at all aspects when I sit with an individual, not just the fact that they need um, support services in, for electric and, and fuel, but also to what other things are out there. So I pull them out from you know down from the apple tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I pull them to the to their and I I, I ask them would you be interested? You know, here's the plan, here's the here's the program. And thank goodness we have that available to us here in Massachusetts too. And a lot of, you know, states may not have those availabilities or understanding of what's available so to them. And it worked out really well. And sometimes they're like, I didn't know that was out there. So not only do, not everyone wants to be in a position where they have to go to, um, you know, to a, a, a food pantry. So for dignity's sake, you know, I might suggest the SNAP program. And they didn't realize that they could qualify for that. So, you know, there's other things out there that there could be a savings to them. And, you know, I try to make sure that that's a, they, they understand that they're available. And I do believe that um, South Shore Community Action yes. administers that program. Yep. And I do believe they, they might not pay every dime of your fuel bill, but they'll give you the biggest amount for your need. Yeah, and they so take into really, the, yeah. yeah, they take in income and expenses are all taken into consideration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's other programs too. There's one on the state level, one of the Kennedys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think Edward Kennedy the second. Is that what it is? I the, think it is. Yeah. The fuel program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and some councils on aging um, have gift funds, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised that there are people in the community that come in and donate just to help people yes. fill the royal tank. Yep. So it's really. There's a lot of stuff out there. All you have to do is ask, but I know that asking can be very hard. Mm. I was going to backtrack to protective services, but knowing that you recently did a cable program on scams, did you not? Yes, I did. I did it with um, Sergeant Smith of the Hanover Police Department and Chief Kane. And we had a lot of fun. The blooper reel is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. But on the serious side, yep. what was what was some of the topics in regards to... Because in the news, and I know that it's been reported uh, recently, that folks on the South Shore here have been taken advantage of through a grandparent scam. Yes, the grandparent scam is the new hot thing. It's the old hot thing. Um, what they're doing is they're customizing it more to the people that they're calling. So they're doing a lot of research on the back end. Um, So even so much as um, you might call your grandmother Nana and they have your name, they have your address, they know you live in a town and they will find people on Facebook that are related to you to find, figure out what that key name is. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things that happened um, that I'm aware of was a family was scammed, but they were also scammed a year ago. So um, it's very difficult to break out of the emotion when your grandchild calls you screaming and crying Mm -hmm. and saying they really hurt somebody Um, and people come right out to your house now and get the money from you in an envelope Mm -hmm. in a shoebox and get in their car and drive away Um, 
anything like that. Uh, another one that I think is really important is that anything you get in a text or an email, I could pull up my phone right now. I've won Cole's sweepstakes oh, like yeah. 20 times this mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. Never click on those. Yeah. If, if your UPS package is missing, don't yeah. open the text, go on to UPS and look up your package. If you even have a package, yeah. you know, so it's a lot of, um, they're smart. They're very smart. Well, they're hoping, I mean, not every fish is going to take that bait, right. but they know that eventually someone is going to swallow the hook. Yep, and as far as um, Chief Kane was actually saying, for some people it's a full-time job, so mm -hmm. they sit home all day, they might do 100 phone calls, and of those 10 gave them information or money. Right. So it's and, and again, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I know the police departments um, are saying to call the police. If you don't want to call the police, call your COA. Mm -hmm. If you have a question about a letter or an email or a text, mm -hmm. call your COA. I mean, we can help you get in touch with the police station if that's what's holding you back. Mm -hmm. Now, is that is that program just for uh, Hanover residents, or can other access centers run that, or... Or is it on YouTube if someone wanted to watch it? Oh, that program that we did? Um, yeah, that's on uh, Hanover Community Television. Okay. So it's on the Hanover website or the Hanover CTV website. Um, and that plays all the time now. Okay. Mm. We that's do great. have programs like that as yeah. well on the other COAs. We also have Triad. The Triad Group. Mm. Yeah, Triad's um, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, fun it's funded by the Attorney General's Office. Uh, Plymouth County uh, Sheriff's Department yep, as well. They work in conjunction Amazing with each other. Amazing yep. group. And we have a strong support. Uh, Halifax is the strongest <laughs> of them all. It is. Um, because of the seniors, they, they're so committed to, in fact, tomorrow we have a, a great um, program happening uh, where we have a state trooper coming in, state trooper Walker, and also local police as well, um, Officer Cushman, who is going to be talking about the difference between state and federal, excuse me, state um, and also local police. Um, so uh, Triad Group is a really important group. We are so blessed to have them as well. Um, and, you know, just the connections of understanding what is available out there, the latest and the greatest. And they're, they're coming up with some pretty clever ones these days through market bask uh, through the um, Facebook marketplace. Mm -hmm. You know, you're selling things out there. So go, go with caution because your telephone number's out there and the connections. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot going on so just uh come to you know call us at any time mm -hmm. again if you're just uh, tuning in uh myself and uh kathy lenatra state rep kathy lenatra uh, are your uh your guides this evening as uh, joining us for this segment is uh darlene regan with the halifax council on aging and uh, tammy murray who is with hanover she serves as the director of community services, which means that she doesn't just wear one big hat. She wears a <laughs> bunch of little hats and other departments that she uh, she oversees. Do you want to ask the next? Uh, I well, I wanted to get into, there's a couple of things I wanted to get into, yep, seasonal yep. depression, but I, just where we're entering the storm season, let's talk a little bit about the power outages that mm -hmm. tend to occur um, and what our seniors should do when that happens and what they should not do. Right. So safety-wise, you know, yep. with heat, I I think that it's important um, that they don't light their stove. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, it gets... But again, our senior centers at, have, like, shelters, right? They're also, yeah, we uh, also many shelter. of us have generators, so if the whole town's out, they're, they're functional. Um, we had some 
big storms a couple of years ago prior to some of the larger um, senior housing complexes having a generator of their own. Since then, it's been a little better because people can go down into their community rooms. Um, but that doesn't mean that the elevator is going to work or the hallways right. are going to be lit and things like that. So it's really important um, for people to be aware when a storm is coming, to have those staples um, at home and to be ready for at least a couple days without any power or heat. After that, usually a COA or a regional shelter will open. Um, but just last week, we had people, they were out for just over 24 hours, mm -hmm. and luckily it wasn't freezing out. Mm. Um, but we did a lot of phone calls. Um, I was up on Christmas Eve calling people, <laughs> letting them know that we were working on it, um, things like that. So every Council on Aging runs that a bit differently. I know that some places open the schools, some places mm -hmm. open their Council on Agings. Um, I believe it was Marshfield's police station opened as a charging and warming station yep. at the last storm. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody does it a little bit differently, but they're all coordinated with the fire chief usually. Mm. So what we did is um, we, we uh, just actually in our January newsletter, we went out with the emergency uh, contact information. So uh, um, HEMA which is Halifax Emergency Management Agency. And that HEMA group um, is to identify the people out there to say if they have a pet, if they're in a wheelchair, um, you know, what comorbidities do they uh, have that would uh, interfere with them, you know, being taken from their home or, you know, so that they could go someplace safe. Um, and we, uh, that allows us also to share information with the fire department as well as police. So I have an at-risk list that I've established. So in the event that this does happen, that we can actually share with uh, the authorization of, of course, the resident with the uh, fire department and that's been helpful too because you know identifying who's in the community and also making sure that we talk to our state representative to make sure that um we can identify that street being out mm -hmm. and how many seniors are on that street and we can call national grid source yeah to let them know who's out there and uh, make that area a priority yeah, a priority yeah so my, my understanding is, is unlike a few years ago, actually several years ago, when there was not necessarily a, a great source of communication between um, your utility companies and their representatives and the fire departments, mm -hmm. my understanding is, or even just public safety, is that that has gotten much better. And if anything, they're 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 actually now doing instead of being reactive, mm -hmm. being proactive. And if there's a storm coming, there mm -hmm. are conversations that are that are being had. True. So that, that you know they can they'll know you know what to do in case of there's an outage and and what you know and if there's down wires and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've I, been I, very fire chief, yeah, yeah. A fire chief with them has been really awesome. Mm. Yeah, he's been out there and he actually got the information out to the community just to let them know what to expect and kept uh, we have that group that we formed and to make sure that we follow the weather tract and mm -hmm. and um or you know um when just a fire happens too in a community that we never expect and the seniors sitting out in the cold right so right yeah well being check check on check. well being mm -hmm. yeah um, and do you, you find yourselves doing that as uh, folks who oversee the operations uh, of these centers that maybe sometimes you haven't seen somebody for a couple of days, yeah. mm -hmm. maybe you're like, oh, has, has seen, anybody seen someone? Have you seen Jimmy? I haven't seen Jimmy in two weeks, and usually he's in, in and out of here every other day. 
Yep. We do that regularly if somebody's missing for a while. Yeah, we have to um, identify the ones that want that call too. Okay, because there's a lot of people. It's what? like you're, you're, you're. Why are you following me? <laughs> and I'm so like, oh no, paranoid. it's just you know. Why are you contacting us? And I'm like, ah, just because we love you, <laughs> and we just want to make sure you're okay. And that's all, you know. So it's an okay call, you know. And, um, and just to let them know what's available out there if, in fact, they do find the need that they need to call someone. Um, what, yeah, are, what are protective services? What are those? Do you want to handle that one? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's in the same uh, realm or different. It is, actually. So protective services right now through Oak Colony Elder Services, it's, Oak Colony is a nonprofit, and um, they have a number of different services they provide. And the Protective Service a, is a program under OCES, Old Colony Elder Services. And um, it's people, when you think of it as a 24-hour protection for, you know, when there's, um, you know, possibility of um, abuse or, or fraud or anything of that nature or against a, um, a, a, a senior, um, it doesn't mean that they're going to go in and just take over they're not um it's up to us as mandated reporters when people do call in that we have to um make known that there's an issue and we let them do their job okay they send the caseworker out there perhaps maybe to ask questions it's always you know open um and there's no you know they don't have a set uh, objective, but just to find out what they to gather the hunter gatherers at mm -hmm. this point. Okay. And do you do you each have to keep a record of any time you have to reach out to uh, uh, OCES and say, hey, I, I have a concern here, or Tammy? Yeah, so we do at my center. We keep notes on each person. Uh, when you file a report, it's usually done online or by telephone, and you get a report back stating that they have the information. Uh, once you give them the information, you might not hear back for a little while because there's a lot of phone calls and investigating done in between. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is that it's not going to rip people out of their homes. Mm -mm. They're there to keep people in their yep. homes and give mm -hmm. them all the supports that they need. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest one that we've run into recently is self-neglect, mm -hmm. you know, and that's when Absolutely. people are not doing really well, either mentally or physically, and, you know, maybe the idea of hopping in the shower isn't there right now mm. um, so we try to support them as they come in as best we can but then there sometimes is a point where our reach isn't far enough and OCES just has that ability um, although in Hanover um, we do have a licensed social worker myself and an LI on staff who can actually we don't have a problem knocking on someone's door we work really closely with the Board of Health and things like that for boarding situations um, but it's just a matter of who the person is and who's best to do it, and sometimes it's best to give it to Old Colony. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you kind of touched upon it, but we haven't really delved into it. Uh, we are coming out of a holiday season, and that could lead to loneliness and folks not feeling all that swell. Um, depression. Mm -hmm. I think we all go through it. It doesn't have to be the holiday season. Mm -hmm. It could be just a life change. Um Talk to me about it, Darlene. It's so, in fact, that's where each of us, are, well, each COA is developing a program, of a grief uh, counseling program. Um, 
I'm working on that part of it. I've been trying to institute or have a hire a licensed social worker. I'm actually going for my license at some point. So, <laughs> I know, I just got to study. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a valuable uh, it, tool, actually, though, right? Yes, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I've been absolutely. working on that case management as well as LS, um, LSW. So, I will be doing that this year. Um, but in the meantime, to try to hire is is very difficult so therefore i have to reach out to different entities out there um if it is i know my networks have been with beth israel hospital and also other uh, organizations like that private sector that would allow us to incorporate some of their um high sources or their um their licensed social workers but also being a part of a hub group um, and that is actually was formed through the state, um, through the attorney general's office as well. And, um, and that, that group there, we all share information as to how we can support a particular resident in that, in, in that particular. And so this is a council area. on aging hub group? Yes. So, and it's, it's just actually, it's not just council aging. It's, it's a group of us sharing within the community. As fact, we've done a radio segment on this, but I don't know if it was. Uh, it what? started with the police departments yeah, and it's pulled in school departments, COAs, mm-hmm. um, different counseling centers in the area. So we all have our own team and we get on a call once a week. Um, and discuss any cases that might come up. Yeah, Contest. and there's certain mm-hmm. things that we may, you know, touch base, you know, the, the licensed social worker through the Beth Israel Hospital um, make a recommendation and they may suggest something. So it's a sharing of information like that as to what support groups are out there at the private sector as well. Um, but also bringing in the fact that invite the resident. You know, I had a call just today um, where the resident was grieving and has been, um, and so lost her spouse two months ago. There's several, and the gentleman that we uh, invited um, found that he's he's been such a part of our community now. In the last four months, his his wife had passed, and we invited him to come to the men's social hour, and he said, oh, I don't know. He came. And he's been coming ever since, and he's been such a wonderful support to our community that he actually um, asked in lieu of flowers, they send funding to, you know, to their center. Um, So it's been a supportive group in terms of what, you know, the welcoming of that person to see if they accept it. And if they do accept it, it helps them through these types of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being a part of a group is is amazing. And you know, whether it be just a sewing group or um, just even an art group, having you know? a place, yeah, having a place, having a place, know? and a, a voice to talk with. You know, yep. so it's so important. Someone to talk with. Yeah, we just got a couple of minutes left. We. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything we want to touch upon in closing? We got uh, three minutes. Um, it's not a lot. I know. I think we went through everything any, I had. So just any events? Do you have any special events that maybe you might want to put a again to give it like a bulletin board? You know, if you have stuff that's coming up, because that's another thing is is other than uh, health and wellness mm-hmm. uh, programs that you offer. From time to time, maybe you might have a book author, or you might have... Mm-hmm. I'll speak for Kingston, because I just <laughs> read ours the other day. Uh, we have a murder mystery luncheon coming up. Awesome. Oh. Um, we now, not we, personally, so our new <laughs> director, uh, Mary Beth, we have a new director in 
Kingston, who has, and has a lot of new programs. Um, the Murder Mystery, we have a Lunch and Learn. You have Me for Bingo the third Thursday of every month. We have Big Thursday Lunches, mm-hmm. where Lucy, Tammy's yes. mother, volunteers. <laughs> I see her every Thursday. Um, but just check it out. I mean, I'm looking at Tammy right here, who has her her little pamphlet with all the things in there. But I know that Hanover, I grew up in Hanover, and a lot of my friend's parents still live there, mm-hmm. and they are always at the senior center mm-hmm. in Hanover. Yeah. And the men's coffee yeah. is one <laughs> of the only senior centers, I have to say, is <laughs> one of the only senior centers in my district that has that men's coffee. I and let it. me tell you, it's much larger than the women's coffee. <laughs> no. Really? Oh, they, yeah, you so have to kick them out. <laughs> too, we had, but it's interesting because it's the men's coffee hour and there's like, can we have a third day? I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then we have to offer, you know, we have a women's coffee hour, so we have to allow that. So, so we have the women's coffee hour on Wednesdays and they come in. It's a social hour, but also to the congregate luncheon that uh, Old, Old Colony presents to some of the COAs. It's been a, such a uh, support, and it's social time, too, for somebody to come in and just have lunch, you know, and just chat. Um, so there's a lot of good things coming up. Aging with Grace, we're hoping that I could form this Aging with Grace that have all these different entities out there uh, talking about Medicare. Okay, and at age 65, what do you do and where do you go? How do you navigate through all the different systems? Is it a right time to retire? Um, So we do have um, the director, the former director for um, the uh, Social Security Administration at some point, Kurt, coming in to talk to our group. Um, Do you have have a website? I do. Uh, Give the website. Uh, it's, uh, what is it? <laughs> you don't, you don't need, okay. Yeah, no, 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 I do that. So. Google is your friend. Is your <laughs> friend. <laughs> Ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank Kathy, you. Thank you, Kevin. Co-host. It's always a thank great you. time. Door's always open to be a co-host. Thank you. You might regret you said that. That's all right. <laughs> I thank hey, you. Hey, until next week at 6.15 p.m., have yourself a great night and a happy new year. Thank you. Happy new year, everyone. WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD.